jump back into our series on prayer. Last week was Mother's Day. It was an awesome just gathering together on Mother's Day. But the two weeks before that, we have uh, been in this four-part series on prayer. And we're using How to Pray by Pete Grieg as a companion guide. I really recommend that if you are new here and you're looking for a good book on prayer. It's one of uh, my personal favorites as I've, as I've come to, uh, been reading through it. So I really recommend pick up a copy on Amazon or wherever you buy a book. Uh, but I want to begin today by telling you a story about a story that inspired me this week as, as I heard the story. And it's about uh, the prayer life of D.L. Moody, who is considered to be one of the greatest evangelists of the 19th century. And the story goes that Moody spent his life carrying with him this list of 100 people who were not believers, not Christians, and he wrote down a list of 100 people and he carried this list around with him wherever he went. And every single day he would start his day by opening up this list and he would pray for every person, 100 people on that list, name by name every day for those who were not uh, yet Christians, who had not given their life to Christ. Well, over his lifetime, what happened, as you can imagine, is that people began to come to the Lord on that list. And every time somebody would surrender their life to Christ, he would just take out the list and he would cross off their name on the list. Well, it is said that at his death, that 96 out of the 100 names on that list had given their life to Christ, and the four remaining names on that list gave their life to Christ at Moody's funeral. (laughs) You know, when I hear stories like this, I am inspired. And I am inspired to never allow myself to underestimate all that God can do when I get desperate enough to get on my knees and pray for the things that I can't do in my own strength and my own power. And the reason why that I am so passionate about this series on prayer is like what the book of James says about prayer, that the prayers of a righteous person are powerful, have great power as it is working. It's like what the great poet Alfred Tennyson once said about prayer, that more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. And I hope you believe that. Do you believe that? I hope you do. And I hope you don't just believe that in like an abstract sense as, yeah, prayer is powerful, but prayer is powerful in a general sense, not a specific sense to me. No, I want you to believe that today for yourself, that your prayers have great power. And what I want to do today is to show you why it is so important that in prayer that we are asking God to do the things that we cannot do on our own. And I want to tell you today why it's not just okay that we ask God for things in prayer, but that it is necessary that we ask. And so if you remember our PRAY acronym that we've been going through, um, each letter stands for just a way to guide you in your time of prayer. If you remember, P stands for... Pause. The idea is to be still and know that I am God. And we can do that every time we bow our heads in the Lord in prayer. We can take a moment. We can pause. We can just be still and know that I am God. Like I prayed earlier, we can be still and remember that you are God and I am not. R stands for rejoice. Scriptures say rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Notice how it doesn't say rejoice in your circumstances because what happens if we rejoice in our circumstances? Well, our circumstances change, and so our joy will be all over the place. But when we root our joy not in our circumstance, but we root our joy in the Lord who is unchanging, 
We will never be short on joy, will we? And so when we pray, we take a moment to rejoice and to worship and to adore our God. And so that brings us to our letter A. Does anyone know what letter A stands for? Ask. And if you were to ask anyone on the street today who's specifically not a believer to say, you know, tell me what, how you would define prayer. Explain prayer to me in your own words. I think that the most simplest and obvious answer that you would receive is that prayer is asking God for help. You know, prayer is at its most simplest form the cry of the heart for God to do something that we cannot do. You know, Timothy Keller says that the primal prayer is a cry for help. And asking is the part of prayer that comes most naturally to us as human beings, yet equally, I would suggest, it is the part of prayer that can be the most confusing. You know, you may be shocked to realize that there are many believers, many Christians, who do not ask God for anything in prayer. Maybe they're too embarrassed to ask. Maybe they think that what they're asking for is insignificant or that God's got too much, you know, busier things to worry about. Or perhaps what you're praying for is just theologically incorrect or maybe it's just not God's will and so you don't even want to ask. You know, if you've ever had questions around what can I ask, what can I ask, is this appropriate to ask, should I ask, you know, does God answer, know today you're not alone. Asking in prayer can be a challenge. You know, first you have the question of, should I ask this? Has anyone ever asked, asked themselves that before in prayer? Is this appropriate for me to ask God? You know, should I ask this? Am I alone in that? You know, my wife and I, earlier on in our, in our marriage, we used to bicker and argue. We'd have these, like, theological arguments because my wife is a little more gifted in faith than I am. So, Whenever there was a need, whenever there was just something, she said, we should ask God in prayer. And, and I was just a little more heady and, you know, in my head all the time. And I would say, no, we can't ask for that in prayer. You know, that, that's not appropriate. You know, I would be too embarrassed to say, God, can you do this when there are people in this parts of the world who don't even have, like, something to eat today or, you know, shoes on their feet and things like that. And as, this, as if I was, like, God's personal secretary, Right. It's like God is too busy to answer your prayer right now because he's too busy doing things more important in the world. You know, perhaps you haven't asked God because you were too embarrassed or felt your concern wasn't significant enough. And then there's the question of, well, did God answer that? <laughs> Have you ever had a prayer where it, the, it resolved itself and you're like, was that God or was that just like a coincidence? <laughs> you know, did that just happen? And you just wondered, did this, would, it just, would that just have happened naturally if I prayed or didn't pray? I like what Archbishop William Temple says about prayer. He says, when I pray, coincidences happen. Amen? And when I stop praying... The coincidences stop happening. It's like the, the joke about the Irishman who is circling the parking lot looking for a place to park. You've heard this joke before. It's a pretty good one. And the Irishman's frustrated, and he, and he turns to the Lord in prayer and says, God, if you give me a parking space, I promise you I will stop drinking Guinness, and I will go to Mass on Sunday. And when he said amen, suddenly the clouds parted and the sun shone down on an empty parking spot. And when the man spotted the parking space without hesitation, he said to God, Never mind, I found one. <laughs> you know, there's the question of, should I ask? And then the question of, does God answer? <laughs> and then thirdly, 
there is the inevitable heartbreak that comes with asking the Lord in prayer. Have you ever been disappointed? You know, if you prayed long enough, I guarantee you, you will feel that disappointment that comes with saying, God, help. And it's not as if God didn't answer your prayer. God answers every prayer. It's just that he doesn't maybe answer it the way you were hoping God to answer that prayer. And if you ask the Lord in prayer, I promise you, you will experience this heartbreak. You know, I'll be honest with you, it hurts, especially when it comes to the people you love. I remember in 2019, there were two marriages I was praying for, two friends going through very difficult seasons in their marriage, and one resolved itself and was healed and restored and is better than ever, and the other fell apart disastrously. And I get it, you know, my prayers don't supersede another person's free will. But it's like, God, I know you can do it. Like, I saw you make a way where there was no way for them. But, but what about them over there? Like, like why? And next week, we're going to talk a little more about that. Like, why, why, you know, unanswered prayers? What do we do? You know, asking in prayer is a challenge because at the end of the day, you know, how God chooses to answer our prayers is a great mystery, and it will remain a great mystery. God is God and we are not, and how God answers according to his will, there are just some things that will be left unresolved until we get to heaven and we can ask him face to face. But when I do read my Bible, what I do see very plainly is that it's not just natural to ask the Lord in prayer, but it is necessary that we are asking you know, that coming before the Lord and asking him both humbly and yet boldly is as necessary and an important part of prayer as any other part of prayer is. I mean, look at what the scriptures say in Psalm 2, verse 8. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. Jeremiah 33, verse 3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you, and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. 1 John 5.14, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. But none, none comes as close to expressing the, the necessity of asking in prayer more than Jesus, what Jesus said when he was on earth. John 14.14, 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Matthew 7, verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Matthew seven eleven. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? In fact, when Jesus was teaching his disciples and gave them the Lord's Prayer, after teaching his disciples to begin in worship, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We talked about that two weeks ago. You can listen back to the sermon if you missed it. We talked about worshiping God in prayer, beginning our prayer in worship. But then he goes on and he says, teaches them to say, let your kingdom come. May your will be done. You know, deliver me from evil. Give me today my daily bread. Forgive me my sins. Leave me not into temptation. He leads them from worship to asking the Lord in prayer, or asking the Father in prayer. Now, obviously there's a lot to unpack here. Like, I, I get that. We just listed through a bunch of scriptures, and each scripture deserves its own message on its own. But I don't want you to miss the heart. The heart is God wants you to ask. God wants me to ask, and God cares for me enough 
Not, not only when I, does God listen when I ask and he answers. And I'm sure today if you're sitting out there, you're probably with me up to this point, and you're like, I get it. I get the heart. Like, I get that God cares. I get that I should ask the Lord in prayer and that he will provide all that I need. But, 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 but what I want to do today is go one step further. And I want to go one step further from going why we should ask to why we must ask the Lord in prayer. Now, if you're anything like me, you probably agree that we should ask the Lord for things in prayer. We should. It says there we should, but maybe you got a little bit of, like, questions around why we must. And, and hear me today. I'm stressing that. We must ask God in prayer. And the reason why we have that hesitation is usually, in my experience, in my time, I've kind of heard two questions asked in different ways. But the first question is this. Why do I need to ask God for something if he already knows everything that I need? Now, why do I need to ask? God already knows I, I need that, that job. Like, God knows how long I've wanted that spouse. God knows how much I want this cancer out of my body. He knows. He knows all those things. And if he didn't know, if I say, God, you know, um, this cancer in my body, and he's God's like, you've got cancer? That would be a concern, right? So we, we rest in the fact that God knows, right? He, he's all-knowing. But then on the other hand, it's like, if God requires me to ask, I must ask. It's like, if I needed life-performing, life-saving surgery, and the doctor's like, I'll do it, but first you need to say, please. You know, that wouldn't be very ethical as well, would it? So that's the first question. Then the second question is this. Doesn't God's perfect will mean that there are just some things that are left predetermined? That God's will is so magnificent and so mighty that it's like, Regardless of what I ask, I can ask till I'm blue in the face, but God just isn't changing his mind because when it comes to his will, there are just some things that are predetermined. My future perhaps is already decided whether I like it or not. Well, let me tell you today why asking in prayer is not just something we, we should do, but it's something we must do. First is, is that when we ask in prayer, asking God in prayer is how we show God our heart. And let me expand on that. Mark chapter 10, and verse 46 to 51, we, we see a story about Jesus, and, um, and it reads, starting in verse 46, Then they came to Jericho, and he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, he being Jesus, and a large crowd, Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many warned him to keep quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Have mercy on me, son of David. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And so they called the blind man and said to him, Have courage, get up. He's calling for you. And he threw off his coat and he jumped up and he came to Jesus. And then Jesus answered him, What do you want me to do for you? Now stop right there for a moment. Let's pause. Picture this scene. You've got a blind beggar on the side of the road. Everyone knows what this blind beggar wants, right? Everyone knows what he wants. And when he calls out to Jesus for mercy, and Jesus is like, okay, come here. Everyone's excited on his behalf. Everyone's like, get up, man. 
come on, this is your chance. Like, go, go. And everyone's excited. And Bartimaeus is like, leaps to his feet. He's like, I can't believe this is happening. He throws off his coat. And he's been waiting his whole life for this moment to come. It's finally come. He said, come. Everyone in that space is fully attuned to what that man wants, his needs are, and what Jesus is about to do. They know what Jesus can do. And But Jesus, who, remember, who countless times was able to demonstrate knowledge about someone's situation or their life given to him by the Holy Spirit. It's not like he hasn't before known someone's, you know, read their mail, so to speak, without them even knowing it. And it, forget the fact that Jesus has eyes and he can see the man's blind. But he says to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want? Like, what do you want me to do? And I can imagine everyone thinking, is he serious? Is he blind? Bad joke. You know, is, isn't it obvious? What do you mean, what do you want me to do for you? It's right here. But he says, what do you want me to do for you? And the man answers. Bartimaeus says, I want to see. I want to see. I want you to heal my sight. Verse 51, it says, then Jesus answered him, what do you want me to do for you? He says, Rabbi, the blind man said to him, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has saved you. And immediately he could see and began to follow Jesus on the road. And when we read the story of Bartimaeus, it reminds me, it reveals to me that it's not enough just, just to simply assume that because God knows, therefore he has to follow through. You know, it drives me crazy when my children, you know, they do this all the time, and it drives me nuts. Don't you know that I didn't want that cheese? I wanted the yellow cheese, not the white cheese on my sandwich. Shouldn't you have known? And it's like, okay, but it would have been nice if you just took the time to ask. I believe God knows everything that I need. He knows every desire of my heart. But the reason why I still ask is I want to show my father my heart. I want to show him what's on my heart. I love Pete Greig's simple articulation for why we must ask the Lord in prayer. First is asking is relational, isn't it? Asking is relational. You know, uh, it reveals when we ask God that he is not just a genie in a bottle to us, you know, giving us three wishes in prayer, but he's a friend. He's a friend. Asking is relational. Number two, asking is vulnerable. You know, it takes a little bit of vulnerability to admit that you need some help. And some of us don't like doing that. You know, as a first-time homeowner, probably would have saved myself a lot of time and money if I just asked for help for a few things. You know, it takes a little bit of vulnerability to say, you know, I need help. Number three, asking is intentional. It demonstrates our free will. It demonstrates when we ask God that we have the choice. God's given us the choice as human beings to involve him in our situation or not. It's really our choice. And so first, we, we ask to show God our hearts. And second is this. We ask because our future is not closed. Our future is not predetermined. Meaning we're not robots playing out a simulation. Our actions here on earth are not pre-configured algorithms. We have a future, and our future is one that is open to change. Our circumstances can be altered. 
And if we pray your kingdom come and your will be done, it means that in our future with God, we will see his hands on this earth. We will see signs and wonders. We will see his power at work, meaning we'll see the sick be healed. The blind will be able to see. You know, the lame will be able to walk. And the prisoners will see them go free. Why? Because the kingdom of God is breaking in on this earth. And that's the reason why God has given you and I his Holy Spirit. The same spirit that empowered Jesus to do signs and wonders, to open the eyes of Bartimaeus. He has given us his Holy Spirit so that we can fulfill our divine calling of becoming God's partners here on this earth. You know, we are co-laborers with Christ in this great project of creation. And so we don't just pray your kingdom come passively, like just let it come and just let me know when it's arrived. No, we pray it actively. We pray it and we play a role in seeing the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Pete Grieg says it this way, petitionary prayer. This is a sort of prayer. Petition is, you know, asking God for something, pleading with God for something, is a logical and exciting consequence of human free will. It means that our fate is not set. Things can change. We are free to ask, activate, and advance God's blessing in any given situation by aligning our wills with God's will, praying, let your will be done. You know, it's worth noting that in the Lord's Prayer, the way that Jesus said, you know, give us this day our daily bread and deliver me from evil and lead me not into temptation, that those, the verbs were spoken in the, in the Greek, they were written in, the imper- in an imperative mood. Well, what does that mean? It means that he wasn't just showing them what to ask, but how to ask. Because this manner, this imperative mood meant that you were not supposed to ask sheepishly. Because the imperative mood was like asking in a very assertive, commanding tone. It's like, give us this day our daily bread. You know, deliver me from evil. Lead me not into temptation. It's not asking in the way that I ask my wife to go golfing on a Saturday morning. That's not how it's written in the Greek. It's like, do you mind if I go golfing while you watch the kids for five hours on a Saturday morning? That's not how we're called to prayer. Right? I'm going golfing! And you're going to watch the kids for fun. No. Oh, oh. You can tell my wife's not here right now, right? <laughs> She's not watching online either, probably. So I have a more assertive commanding tone to my voice is the point. Here's what Donald Bloch, a wonderful Baptist theologian, says. He says, prayer is not simply petition, but strenuous petition. It is active pleading with God. It consists not merely in reflection on his promises, but in taking hold of these promises. Here's my pastoral encouragement to you today. I, can I give you permission that if there's something you need today, that you can get desperate with God in his presence for what you need when it comes to asking. I give you permission to wrestle with God. And that when God is not, you know, answering in a way that, you know, he, I, and, we, 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 and we'll talk about his will in a moment, but when he's not answering, I give you permission to lament the situation you find yourself in. You know, the great theologian J.I. Packer uh, once observed how in the Bible, when bad things happen to good people, we would often see these people go to, fell free to complain to God and complain with considerable length. And Scripture does not seem to regard these prayers as anything other than wisdom. 
So don't be afraid to get on your knees. Don't be afraid to lift your eyes to the heavens and say, God, I need you. Come on, God, help. And none of this is about controlling God, right? I hope you have, you know, you're mature enough in your faith that you don't think you can control God any, you know, any more than we can control the direction of the winds. This is not about controlling God. It's not about questioning his goodness and his character. It's not about that at all. But it's recognizing that God allows, he, but, and he even invites us to exert an influence upon himself to help determine the outcome of our situations. But at the end of the day, we still rest. We must still rest that, yes, God's kingdom is coming and will come with great power, but his kingdom must come according to his perfect will and his plan. You know, and remember, even Jesus himself got desperate enough before the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane and said, Father, if, if it's possible, let this cup pass before me. He was so desperate enough. He trusted the Father enough that he could bring this, this desire, this request before the Lord, but he rested in the prayer, not, let, not my will be done, but yours. And that requires faith, doesn't it? Faith that believes that my prayers, they matter to God and have great power, yet God's plan is still sovereign and, and infallible. That in faith, I have great incentive to ask God diligently and earnestly, but when the answer is no, I can still rest in his goodness. I can rest in the everlasting arms of a father who cares for me. And so that just leaves us then with our last question. How then do I ask God in prayer? How do I embody both this faith and trust in my prayer life? Well, if you remember a few weeks ago, I shared um, a quote from the Westminster Catechism. The question the Catechism was asking was, what is the chief end of man? Anyone remember? And And the answer is that the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That is our purpose here on this earth. And then in another part in the Westminster Catechism, it asks the question, what is prayer? And I believe the answer is just such a wonderful guide to teach us on how to ask the Lord in prayer. It says this, that prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for the things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. You know, I encourage you just screenshot that, remember this, and you'll never forget how to ask the Lord in prayer. First, you need to offer up your desires to God. Ask. Tell God what's on your heart, and don't trivialize it. Don't trivialize it. Don't think, oh, this is too small. This is insignificant. God doesn't care about this. I mean, don't. And don't assume God already knows, right? Ask him and tell him why it is you're asking. Just explain your heart to him. God, here's what I'm asking, and here's why I'm asking. Here's the desire of my heart. Number two, align your will with his will. So we offer up our desires unto God for the things agreeable to his will. Now, the bottom line is the Bible doesn't say that if we ask anything, God will do it. It says if we ask anything according to his will, he will do it. And before we ask anything in prayer, the first thing that we need to ask is, Lord, let your will be done. Let your will be done. And as Christians, we have a responsibility and a duty to to make sure that the Lord's will for our life is always higher than our own personal will for our own life. And if the two are out of alignment, you got to shake that up. 
got to confess that. You got to unroot that from your life. You trust that if you ask for something and it's outside of God's will, that God knows best. That God has a plan and, and you know, we need to remember to pray, let your will be done. Ali- offer up your desires to God. Align your will with his will. Number three, pray in Jesus' name. Jesus says, ask anything in my name and I'll do it. Sweet! Is that kind of like Simon Says, but for Christians? It's like, Lord, give me a new mansion on the beach in Jesus' name. Ah, oh, you got me. I wasn't going to do it, but you said those three words. Now I've got to do it. What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Well, it means to ask for things that are consistent with his character and aligned with his purpose. You know, I uh, last week a friend of mine, his Instagram got hacked. Somebody got control of it and has been using it to sort of message all of his friends, you know, trying to get them to buy whatever his scam or scheme is. And, you know, you saw the friend talking about Bitcoin and all this, and you're like, that's a little weird. So I just messaged him and said, did your Instagram get hacked? And he's like, you know, of course, you know, but how did I know he had been hacked? How did I know that wasn't him messaging me, you know, inviting me to whatever he was talking about? The answer is, is because what he was asking me was not consistent with the person I knew him to be. When we ask in Jesus, and ask in Jesus' name, does the Father recognize his Son in what we are asking? Let me say that again, because I think that is just, that's, if there's anything I want you to walk away with, remember that. When we ask in Jesus' name, does the Father recognize his Son's voice in what you are asking? Asking is not just saying the words in Jesus' name for whatever it is we are asking for. It is honoring the Lord in the things that we are asking. Fourth, and I'll go, I'll go quickly here, confess your sinfulness and acknowledge your bias, your personal bias. You know, if we're praying, and, and don't be afraid, and I encourage you to do this. Ask, but also acknowledge to God, God, I'm a sinner. There is always the possibility that what I'm asking for is wrong, that is not aligned with your will, and I just want to acknowledge that and confess that, my sinfulness before you. I believe it's better to ask and get it wrong than to not ask at all, but we need to be reminded of that today, that as long as you're willing to confess your sinfulness and acknowledge ultimately that it's God who knows what's best for you, no, you will never be led astray. God will lead you in the right direction. And then fifth and finally, remember God's mercy. So prayer is offering up your desires for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of your sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. Asking God in prayer is also remembering that the greatest miracle and answer to prayer is the gift of God's mercy and salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. Because without God's gift of salvation, all our answers to prayer would just be temporary solutions to an eternal problem, wouldn't they? I mean, what good is it if God heals your cancer here on earth, but he doesn't heal your eternal sinfulness? What good would that be to have your cancer cured here on earth, but have to spend an eternity apart from him? But if your sins have been forgiven, and you've been brought back into right relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ, 
we can rest and remember God's mercies. That whatever happens to me here on this earth, that God will answer it. And I will have healing. Ultimately, if I'm praying for healing, I will be healed. One day in the resurrection, my cancer will be delivered. I will be cleansed. I will be made pure. My struggles will be delivered. My tears will be wiped away because that is what God has done in his mercy and grace. And so ask, but remember that because of Jesus, death has no sting. Death has no victory. Victory belongs to Jesus Christ. And so we need to remember to give thanks to God who has overcome the world and given us his victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is the greatest answer to prayer, isn't he? So would you stand to your feet? And let's just remember today his mercy and everything that we are asking for. Oh man, Lord, we just say thank you today for your gift of grace and your salvation. And Lord, I know today there are many people out here asking in this room. Lord, I know the asks. I know many of what they're asking for. But Lord, today we first, we begin in that place of asking, Lord, by just remembering, Lord, the gift of salvation, the eternal healing that we will all have in the resurrection. You have washed away our sins, Lord. And so we just throw ourselves at, at the mercy seat of, of God, Lord. We just say, Lord, we are sinners in need of grace. Forgive us our sins. And Lord, secondly, we pray, Lord, let your will be done in whatever we're asking for. I know that's not a fun prayer to pray, but it's so necessary, Lord. So help us to, re- to begin our asking, Lord, by acknowledging your will. Man, that's tough. Lord, we will wrestle with that, but at the end of the day, Lord, I pray we ultimately always surrender to your will. And third, Lord, then we ask. Lord, we know what your word says, Lord, and we're just, we're not afraid today, Lord, just to be reminded of what your word says. There are wonderful promises in scripture. It says, ask, and it shall be given to you. Ask anything in my name, and I will do it. You know, if you ask according to my will, like, Lord, you will hear that prayer and you will, you will do it. So, Lord, we now just bring our request before you, Lord. And we, we want to ask in Jesus' name. So, Lord, examine our hearts, search our hearts. And if there's anything that we're asking for that is inconsistent with the character of Jesus Christ, Lord, just cleanse that ask from us. But, Lord, we want to... We, we get desperate before you, Lord. We are desperate, Lord. And there, I know there are people who, like, who their bodies are ridden with cancer. Lord, I know that there are people in need of a, of a reconciliation relationship. I know that there are personal struggles and addictions that people are, are trying to overcome. And Lord, we know you hear those prayers, but Lord, let your kingdom come in those situations. Let your kingdom come with great power so that, Lord, we can glorify you, Lord, in in, in testimonies of your miraculous hands, Lord. But ultimately, we rest, Lord, that your will is so perfect, God, and that there is inheritance that awaits us greater than anything that we can have here on this earth. Lord, we love you today, and we just ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.